If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 581. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Give me that email address while you're there. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you enroll. It's free of charge to enroll, free of charge to get the class. And, of course, purchase one of my classes there or 10 of my classes there or 20 of my classes there. You keep the podcast free of charge. You can also support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can get a book plate if you want my autograph on one of my books. Of course, purchase one of my books. I've got a number of those, my latest two, Southern Scribblings, and the Jeffersonian tradition, always great things to have on hand. You can also support the show by clicking on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Share it around on social media. This is how we grow the audience. And we're going to start this week with some really good stuff. I And it was listener-generated episode. If you want to hear something, you want me to talk about it, send me those show requests, something that you think I can talk about. But it has to be something I can talk about for about 20 minutes to 30 minutes. So keep that in mind. So this is a listener-generated episode, and it's a great way to kick off the week. We're going to talk about uh, a Think Locally, Act Locally initiative, and it's it's going to piggyback on something that was published at the 10th Amendment Center, and how you can do some of these things. And this is how, if you work within the local government, you can start doing some of these things. And then we're going to talk about uh, the left actually pursuing secession, what the Blaze said about that. I found it, fa- found it very interesting. And, of course, uh, we're going to look at cancel culture, 60s cancel culture, this week. And we're going to talk about the libertarian movement. We're going we're gonna to get into that, too, and where some things stand with that. So, um, or at least how some things have worked out in the last couple of years with that. So, But I want to start this week with this piece by Mike Mahari at 10th Amendment Center. This was published last year. It was published in December of last year. And uh, it was, um, I'm sorry, November of last year, excuse me. And the title is, Texas Towns Avoid Some Federal Mandates by Rejecting Federal Money. Now, this is important to understand. And let me give you a little history lesson on how some of this stuff works. We've got President's Day coming up next week, and I'm going to do a lot more with the President's next week. Okay, so I'm going to do some things with presidents. You're going to start seeing some of that stuff. But one of the things I pointed out in that book when you got to Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon, who was in my nine presidents who screwed up America. That's the book I'm talking about, uh, was one of the nine who screwed up America. And Richard Nixon had uh, had a concept or at least the Republicans came up with something in the 1960s called new federalism. And new federalism was supposed to be a way for the states to take back control of local issues. You see, because the United States as a federal republic is designed, and I can show you, or uh, speech, documents, 
that go into this in quite a lot of detail in the founding period when the Constitution was going through ratification. That the United States was designed to be a purely federal republic with the states doing most things that governments do. And that only changed as we saw the central government take on more and more power and more and more authority. So as we got to the 20th century and you start seeing the complete usurpation of power by the central authority over much of what government should do at the local and state level, you started getting some pushback from conservatives and others who were interested in some more local autonomy. So the Nixon administration comes up with new federalism. The idea was, well, you're going to have more control over things, but here's how it's going to work. We're going to take the money first, and then we're going to give it back to you. So states would get money, and they would get money to do certain things. For example, maybe it's education. Maybe it's road construction. Maybe it's, you know, take your pick of something that the states would normally do, but now the federal government is going to give you money to do it, but you get to control how the money is spent. Now, there's catches to all this. There are always mandates and strings, red tape, all kinds of things that if you take the money, you're going to have to do. If you take the money. Now, most localities, most states are not going to reject the money. Now, this became a problem as we move forward from the 60s into the 70s and then into the 80s. And by the time we get to the 90s, the Republican Party again realizes, well, maybe there's some issues with this. So they start getting into the idea of, they start talking about unfunded federal mandates. They weren't paying you, but you had to do certain things. And then block grants. We're just going to block grant the money, and then you can do whatever you want with it. But again, this is a, a variation of new federalism. You see, this is the Republican Party's response to federalism. It's central control. It's the Republican Party is never interested in giving power back to the localities and the states. They still want to control it. They want to control what you do with it, how you do it, because they're giving you the money. So because they're giving you the money, you got to do exactly what they say. This is, for example, the Department of Education, which is created during the Jimmy Carter administration, and how much control they have now over education in America because they give out a lot of money. And so uh, if you want to do anything, you have to follow all the federal mandates when it comes to education because you're taking their money. This is a lot of people don't realize this with colleges and universities, how much of that bureaucracy is there, you know, because a lot of people are going to college now on Pell Grants, federal student loans. If you get any of that, well, then you're going to follow what the central government tells you you have to do. So how do you break this? In fact, I had a, a, a listener of the show contact me, and um, he said, look, I mean, I've worked in this state for years. I've worked there for many years, and we can't do anything all what you're saying is is uh, sounds good in theory, but you can't do any of this stuff because there are so many federal rules and regulations. You can't do anything about this. Well, how do you stop that? Well, Mike Mahari and in tech has figured this out, and Texas is leading the way in this. Brady, Texas. So those of you that are interested in local government and trying to do something about uh, the federal government's tentacles and reach on everything need to look at this particular issue. So Mike Mahari at 10th Amendment Center writes great stuff. He's a, he's a really good guy. I like Mike. Um, and he says this. 
the federal government imposes all kinds of mandates and regulations on states and localities through requirements attached to federal funding. More than 60 Texas cities have avoided some of these strings by rejecting federal coronavirus aid. So here's the catch. If you don't take the money, you don't have to do the stuff. Right? If you don't take the money, you don't have to follow these federal rules and requirements. But that's going to mean that some of these states and localities are going to have to shore up their budgets or at least come up with another, with different ways if they want to do some of these things instead of taking the money. This is the issue. This is the catch. Can we get the states and local governments off the federal cash strip? I've said it before on this podcast. The real issue is the money. It's the money. Everybody wants to slop at the trough. So, uh, well, we're just going to take the money because it's there. We're just, I mean, it's just money. It's free money. It's not really free money. It's being printed. This is causing inflation, all the other things going on. So you don't want to take the money because you get all the rules and regulations and it causes some economic problems long term. But here's how you do it. You just say, no, we're going to send it back to you. We don't want it. Now, it doesn't mean the general government's not going to print this money. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is you don't have to follow the rules and regulations. So if more and more localities did this, you keep your money, we don't want it. And enough people said, well, if, if we're not taking all this money, uh, well, then we should cut spending, right? All that spending should be cut. It's, non, it's unnecessary. But see, now you have to have a coordination between states and the federal government and the representatives in the federal government they're never going to want to cut spending because that's how they keep their jobs going. This is what makes them important. So there's a lot of things working here, but the states, these Texas towns, and, and you know, have some control over their lives because they refuse to take this strings-attached cash. You go back to the post-World War II period, and you look at the Marshall Plan, and the United States government was trying to buy allies. Take our money, but you have to be our ally to do it. Well, some of the states rejected that. Some of the some of the foreign powers rejected it because they didn't want it. They didn't want to be part of the United States sphere of influence. So Mahari continues, according to the Texas Department of Emergency Management, Brady recently joined dozens of other Texas municipalities with populations under 50,000 and rejecting federal money doled out in response to the pandemic. The Brady City Council turned down $1.3 million offered through the American Rescue Plan Act the council unanimously voted to, to send back nearly $675,000 it has already received and decline a second payout schedule for next year. The U.S. Treasury manages the distribution of ARPA funds to Texas counties and cities with populations above 50,000. The TDEM distributes funding to smaller jurisdictions. The Texas legislature appropriated $16.3 billion in ARPA funds. First of all, all these A-R-P-A, T-E-T-D-E-M. I mean, this is ridiculous, right? All this bureaucracy, all this stuff. And none of it's constitutional. None of that's constitutional. Not one dollar of that money, if you go back and look at the U.S. Constitution, is constitutional. Any of it. Now, you could say, well, this money is important. This money is necessary. But is it constitutional? This is a question that Nathaniel Macon famously asked when they were trying to build a statue for George Washington. He said, all right, look, Washington's a great man. There's no doubt about it. But if we have any constitutional authority and any discretionary income to spend what amounted to about $100,000 today to build a statue to George Washington, 
Is there any authority there to do this? Do we have any cash to do it? If we don't have cash, then why are we doing it? This is a good question. Do we have the cash to spend $16.3 billion in Texas? And then Mahari gets down to the nuts and bolts of this. He says the U.S. Department of the Treasury contractually obligates government taking governments taking ARPA money to comply with a long list of stipulations. Quote, recipient agrees to comply with the requirements of Section 603 of the Act, regulations adopted by Treasury pursuant to Section 603F of the Act, and guidance issued by Treasury regarding the foregoing. Recipient also agrees to comply with all other applicable federal statutes, regulations, and executive orders, and recipient shall provide for such compliance by other parties and any agreements it enters into with other parties relating to this award. Emphasis added. So he boldened that part. All other applicable federal statutes, regulations, and executive orders. So think of what he's just what they've just done here. You don't just follow the rules of the law. You gotta follow everything. Federal statutes, regulations, and executive orders. Now, if you didn't take the money, you don't agree to follow any of that stuff. So if Joe Biden says we're going to have a mask mandate, for example, federal mask mandate, this is where they're saying, well, there's legal authority here because he's doing it through the American Rescue Plan Act. So because you took the money, you agree to abide by an executive order. In other words, you've just agreed to abide by executive government because regulations and statutes are usually issued by the executive department, bureaucracy, not by the legislature. So what you have done is just said, I'm going to agree to federal, to I'm sorry, to executive government. That's what I'm going to do. So don't take the cash and you don't have to do it. The contract includes a list of applicable federal acts, but does not detail what executive orders would apply. According to the Texan activist, Sheila Hemphill told the council all other applicable directives could include vaccine mandates, contact tracing programs, and any future coronavirus directives of federal government issues. Again, exactly right. Now, this is November of 2021. Here we are in February of 2022. We know that there have been attempts. Now, we know the Democrats are are pulling back on these things because they understand if we keep doing it, We're going to get crushed in 2022. They're hoping they don't get crushed in the 2022 elections. They're going to because inflation's bad, all this other stuff. But hey, look, we we brought all these regulations. They went away. They went away because they know these things are unpopular. Nobody wants to do them. And it's about time to get rid of this stuff. And so they know they're going to get crushed if they don't. So they're starting to rain back on that. Now, this is this is the issue though. If you if but if you sign up for it. If you sign up for the cash, you agree to take this stuff. And of course, then you'd have to go to court if you didn't do these things. In an interview, Hemphill told the Texan that all city employees will be treated as federal contractors and bound by federal employment directives if Brady accepted the funding. Look at what they've just done. They've taken a, a state or a city, a city employee, and say, now you're a federal contractor. This gets back into... Uh, Various court rulings, if you go back into the 1960s, when if you work as a desk, a desk clerk at a hotel, you're under federal regulation because you're dealing with interstate commerce. Now, that is just absolutely ridiculous. This is exactly what they said. So you become a federal employee, essentially, because you work at a desk of a hotel. Now, you're really not, but this is the this is how far out they want to grab 
with their tentacles, right? And I talk about this in Nine Presidents. I talk about this in how Alexander Hamilton screwed up America because I get into the courts in the second half of that book. So you want to get that book too. But this is exactly what they're doing here. According to the unofficial meeting minutes, Councilwoman Jane Huffman opposed taking the funds, saying we live here in Brady because we want to be left alone. We want to control what happens in our community. Hallelujah. Jane Huffman should, I mean, there is a Councilwoman of the Year, right? That's think locally, act locally. We want to be left alone. We want to control what happens in our community. This is exactly why people need to get involved in state and local government. Local government, most importantly. Even things like your homeowners association. Get involved in that stuff. right? Don't leave it to somebody else. Go ahead and get involved in it. And I'm going to do a, a sometime a podcast on Jefferson in 1816 and what he said about some of these things. Sometime I'm going to do that. That's, that's one of the core tenets of Think Locally, Act Locally, this letter that he wrote in 1816. But here we have a Councilwoman Jane Huffman just speaking the truth, right? That's truth to power. You, I mean, we talked about last week all these little leftist, quote-unquote, historians who are really activists running around. We're going to speak truth to power about Confederate monuments. That's truth. No, this is truth to power. When you tell the federal government, you know what? You can keep your money. We don't want it. Because you're a jerk. Because you're going to do unconstitutional and illegal and things. You can keep your money. That's speaking truth to power. Speaking truth to power is telling these establishment twits, you're stupid. That's speaking truth to power because they're all in power. And I saw it. I, I, I'll never, just kind of going back, I did the, the podcast last week on uh Confederate monuments, and somebody went on to social media and said, you know, we're going to try to get involved in the academy and and uh, change things. And the, the responses from professors was telling. We're not going to let these people in. They won't get a job. We're not going to let them in. There's not even enough jobs for us, let alone them. You see, they're in power, and they won't let us sniff it, right? That's the issue. So Mahari continues, back in 2016, at least four local communities rejected HUD funding in order to avoid the onerous regulations. The HUD, uh, the HUD regulations total 377 pages. They give unelected HUD bureaucrats broad powers over grant recipient communities, including the power to reverse electoral decisions by local voters and force them to join regions against their wishes. Under AFFH... The federal government can control zoning, planning, land use, location of public transportation, even the socioeconomic diversity of elementary and secondary classrooms. Think about that. The HUD. This is all bureaucracy created by the executive branch, essentially, outside of the purview of the legislative branch. This is all unconstitutional, but this is exactly what happens. When you don't take their money, when you don't take their money, you don't have to follow the rules. Stop taking their money. Run for school board, run for city council and say, my platform is we're not going to take any federal dollars for anything. We are going to cut all federal contracts, police department, uh, fire department, schools, everything. It's all going away. And we're going to figure it out here in our own community and how to do this. So we don't have to follow their mandates anymore. We can do whatever we want. While federal money with its promise of funding wonderful projects is an enticing carrot 
A large stick inevitably follows closely behind. By taking federal money, cities, towns, and counties, and state states forfeit control over their own communities. Instead, bureaucrats in D.C. get to dictate and direct local concerns. The best way to maintain local control is to reject federal funding and all the strings that inevitably come attached. Federal money isn't about helping poor people. It's about command and control. State and local governments can't complain when they willingly let the, fe- let the feds bribe them into relinqu- relinquishing control, but they can refuse the money. This is the simplest and most effective nullification strategy there is. If you don't want federal control, don't take federal money. It's as simple as that. And I, I, I agree with them 100%. You look at all the things that have been done and all the expansion of, expansion of federal power, it's done through money. It's done through the purse. You see, even Hamilton figured this out. When they could pay former soldiers and give them jobs, well, what have you just done? You've created a loyal electorate. You've created a loyal voting class. They're going to vote for your stuff, and you're going to ensure that you always have people voting for you. Look, if you look at the federal job, uh, federal jobs and how these people vote, people that work for the federal government, they vote overwhelmingly for the left, because those are the people they think are going to keep them in, in, in the job and give them more money. So you create more and more jobs, you create more and more loyal voters, and people that are on the dole often vote for what's going to keep them on the dole. This is what I've talked about before. You've got you know, two people handing out candy. One's got a bigger bowl than another because the Republicans hand out candy too. One's got a bigger bowl than the other, and the people are going to go the bigger bowl. And you have no limit. You just go grab as much candy as you want. The others say, you can only take two pieces, and we got a smaller bowl. Well, who's gonna? which bowl are you going to go to if you're that person that's inclined? These state and local communities think, oh, well, here's, some, here's a federal grant. Here's a federal, here's some money I can get. Here's some money to do this, money to do that. What's the cost? Your independence. What's the cost? The control of what you, control over things in your community. That's the cost. I'll never forget when I lived in a city or near a city, for years this road sat unwidened. I mean, they started construction and it sat and sat and sat and sat. And it was a mess. Why was it sitting? Because the people of that city couldn't get federal funds to finish the road. Now, why would federal funds be used for an intersection in this city when chances are Most people in the United States would never drive on that intersection. Now, you might, because this city was located in an area where you had a lot of people from out of state and and come to this area because of a military installation. But regardless, it wasn't near the military installation. It was way away from that. It was near a mall, right? So why would not the people of that city pay for it, which is there to improve their life? The people of California or, uh, or Oregon or Montana or Massachusetts, or heck, even a neighboring state, generally probably wouldn't even drive on that intersection ever in their entire life. Or I'm not going to probably ever drive on an intersection uh, in um, in most states in the United States, particularly a, a city or town. I mean, near a mall, I'm never going to do it, right? So why should I pay for it? This is the question that people ask. And then when you get it, then you have to follow all the rules and regulations, all the things you got to do, all the mandates, all the federal. Once you take federal money, you got to follow all the federal con- got to follow all the federal contractual requirements in that money. 
So in order to avoid that, Mahari is right. Don't take the money. I would love to see, and I get emails from people every now and then. And um, again, I am sorry if I don't always respond to your emails. Please don't hold it against me. I get too many to respond to. But I love reading them, and I do read them. And I love seeing people, hey, you know, I went out and I listened to your show, and I, I ran for city council, and I won. And here's what we're doing. Don't take the federal money. Don't take the money. You want, you want to have a more free society, a freer society, I should say. Don't take the federal money. That's how you do it. All right. Love this piece from Ahari. This is a listener-generated request. Hey, can you talk about this piece? Absolutely. Great piece. Loved it. Uh, and again, Mike Mahari is just, is, he's a good guy. He's out there fighting the good fight all the time. Uh, I think he's doing something with Peter Schiff now. And so, but he's still working with 10th Amendment Center. But uh, just, uh, he always does very good work with local government and uh, much better. I mean, by the way, I took, you know, as, as an undergraduate in college, I took uh, many classes on local government. Mahari's stuff at the 10th Amendment is better than any of that ever was. You learn about bureaucracy and other things with these local government classes, and it's good for that. But when you really want to learn about power and what you can do and how you can do things differently, Mahari and the 10th Amendment Center are your go-to place. They really are doing good work over there. So 10thamendmentcenter.com is the, is the address. So if you haven't ever checked them out, I'd highly advise you do it. All right. See you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.